Welcome to episode number 45 of the Mastering Marriage Podcast, where our goal is to strengthen, unite, and restore your marriage. My name is Amanda Taylor, and together with my husband, David, we are the co-founders of MendOurMarriage.com. And our goal is to break the back of divorce by bringing married couples together to be accountable, keep the passion alive, and destroy the hidden issues that try to rip marriages apart. And we are back in the booth today. We've been missing you guys. <laughs> of course, this is Amanda Taylor, and joining me, as always, my husband, my boo, David Taylor. Daisy, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to another um, information-packed episode of the Mastering Marriage Podcast. Yes, yes. And uh, we have a treat for you today. So um, if you are able to take notes, make sure to get yourself in a position to do so, because there's a lot of information that we're going to be giving. Um, but before we do... This episode, episode number 45, is brought to you on behalf of my very special brand new book. Yeah, yeah. The, the title, I got hype already. I'm, I just got to get my, my mind right. <laughs> but the title is called, I Said I Do, But Now I Don't, Understanding the Mind of a Reluctant Spouse. Yes. And this book is already helping tons of people. Um, thank you guys for the support, for the encouragement. Uh, the book is dropped. You can actually go to unmotivated the number two love.com to check it out that's www.unmotivated two love.com and trust me this book will answer tons of questions especially for those of you who are standing for your marriage with a reluctant spouse but you don't really understand what's going on in their minds this book will help you and guess what is written to help them as well yes so um but anyway let's move on because today we have um, hopefully it's not going to be too long of a show, but, uh, this is going to be a uh, episode, like I said, an episode that will, you'll probably want to take notes to. Um, but before we get started, Mandy, is there anything you want to say to the people, to the people that's listening? Cause we, it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. I just want to say, Hey, it's so, so awesome to, you know, be <laughs> able to speak to you all again. I hope you all are enjoying, well, are enjoying your holiday season. Yeah. Um, of course we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just ready to get started. Okay, well, today we're going to talk about kryptonite for your marriage. Mm. <laughs> yeah, kryptonite for your marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and eight ways. Okay, I'm I'm hyped. You want me to calm down a little bit? Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> I missed y'all, okay? I'm sorry. Eight ways to silence out negativity. So let's talk about kryptonite for your marriage. Over the last year, we have uh, been very fortunate to have access to thousands and thousands of marriages. Within that time period and with the proximity that we've had to both healthy and hurting marriages, we've noticed something that seems obvious, but guess what? It's not so obvious. We've noticed a problem, something that keeps rearing its ugly head uh, that you would think is like pretty obvious to most people, but it's appearing that this is not something that's obvious. I mean, have you ever experienced that? Like, It's something that you should know, but you just... For some reason, it's too simple to grasp. Definitely. I mean, things that I know with my head, but maybe I don't know them, you know, as far as an experience. Yeah, yeah. And so, so here's the thing. We've noticed that there is one thing. So one thing that's only second to the lack of knowledge. Because we, we've talked about the lack of knowledge being the main marriage killer. But there's one thing only behind that that 
is as disruptive or almost as disruptive as the lack of knowledge. Um, and we found that if this thing is present in relationship, it often leads to its demise. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's one thing behind the lack of knowledge. And no, it's not the lack of love or financial issues or sex. It's something else. Um, and I'm, you might have heard me say it already because I kind of gave it away in the title, but I'm still <laughs> going to lead this on a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so in other words, if knowledge is the most important thing to securing a healthy marriage, not having this thing in the marriage is a very close second. Right. So knowledge is the most important thing. If this thing is not present, your marriage is going to be good. But if it is present, guess what? You're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. And so if you haven't guessed by now, that thing is negativity. Right. Yep. We're going to talk about negativity. Now, before you try to tune me out and say, well, I already know about negativity. Just listen to this. Trust me. We're going to talk about some stuff that, again, it may be obvious, but it's it's not. Again, we're going to talk about negativity and I'll say it this way. Negativity is to your marriage as kryptonite is to Superman. Now, for all of you comic book geeks that may understand kryptonite and Superman, the relationship between the two, you know this. But for those who don't, let me kind of just give you a brief, like, 30-second rundown of kryptonite and Superman. So Superman, yeah, he's Kryptonian. He's from a planet called Krypton. Mm -hmm. And the planet exploded. And the particles of the planet that were floating through the galaxy, um, once they got to Earth, are now dangerous and destruct destructive to Superman. They're these green, like, particles, rock-looking things. And whenever they come in contact with Superman, it weakens them. And so kryptonite is what it's called. And it's kind of like the thing that can kill Superman if he gets too much exposure to it. Mm -hmm. And so negativity is very similar. If your marriage gets too much exposure to negativity, it'll kill it. Just right. like kryptonite could kill Superman. Right. Did that make sense? I think I got it in 30 seconds. So in a minute, though, we're going to share with you eight ways to silence out negativity so that you can add growth to your marriage. Mm -hmm. But before we go there, let me talk about why we become so negative in relationships. And actually, let me go a little further and talk about why humans are so negative to begin with. You ready for this history lesson? Come on with it. Well, okay, so we're going we're gonna to break this down a little bit, and then we're going to give you guys eight ways to silence out negativity. So stick around for that because you want to get those tips. So here's the thing. Some historical scholars say that humans are naturally hardwired for negativity because that is how we evolved. Okay? Okay, now... I just said a word that a lot of people be like, well, I don't believe in that. That's fine. Neither do we. But just listen for a second, okay? Silence out the negativity. You already <laughs> got started. Stop playing. But anyway, so some scholars say that, that's, that we, evolved, we evolved into negative thinkers because of how things were with our ancestors. They state that our ancestors needed to be negative so that they could stay safe, right? Meaning they had to develop a way of looking at the world that could help them to err on the side of caution. So if they were, let's say, you know, in the wilderness somewhere and they saw some moving in the bush, they automatically assumed that that movement was something harmful and thus they would be able to escape, right, and secure a safer position. And so they say that that way of thinking kind of evolved as humans evolved. And as a result, now today we are kind of negative, pessimistic people, you know, glass half empty type thinkers. So now... We don't believe in evolution. Now, Mandy, do you believe in evolution? No, you know the answer to that question. Anyway, no. <laughs> so we don't believe in evolution like in the way that it's taught in the books. We don't believe in evolution, but I could definitely see the logic in that. Okay, It makes sense that if a group of people 
you know, were trying to be safe and they saw certain things as negative, they would share that information with people that they were bringing up, the next generation, so they would also see those things as negative or unsafe. So I get the logic, okay? The problem is that we rarely see this played out in babies, right? So if that was true, then you would see this a lot. You would see it today in babies. Um, but here's the thing. Unlike other animals, a baby has a limited scope of danger and will literally play on the edge of a bed with no awareness of the fact that they can fall off. But, for instance, when we had our puppies, well, we still got them, but they're not puppies anymore. When we were raising them, right, like Ginger, or was it Dusty? It was Dusty. Dusty wouldn't even walk on the hardwood floor because he thought it was something dangerous, mm -hmm. right? But that slipped and... Yeah, that was his instincts. And so animals have this instinctual drive, uh, but humans, for some reason, we weren't, we don't, as babies, we don't demonstrate that same instinct, right? The same fear factor. Exactly. You, know? you put him in water, they're going to swim. Like naturally, you put a grown Amanda. I'm sorry, I did I put you out there? Wow. I'm sorry, that's <laughs> all right. I can't swim. Mary can't swim, y'all. That's all she right. can't swim. And so, okay. we put Mary in the water. I remember on our honeymoon, we were at the Disney Resort. Too much information. I'm no, sorry, it's ahead. out there. We were at the Disney Resort, and this chick, y'all, we was I was trying to help her learn how to swim. And how you stub your toe in three foot water because you thought you were drowning? That's another story. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got turned up. That's all right. Turn it down a little bit. Just a little bit. So, okay, That's anyway. All right. Back to what I was talking about. So, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had that visual of you kicking and you was fl f kicking your feet in all the water. No? You don't want to? Okay. She don't like that story, y'all. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Anyway, so here, okay, back to the topic. So, if it's not evolution or evolution in the way that we understand it, why then are we so negative? Right. So if we're not born negative thinkers, why then are we negative? That's my conclusion. What, what do you think about that? Do you have a, an answer? Or do you want me to just jump into my conclusion? I mean, I tend to jump ahead, but I honestly think that we're just con con we're conditioned that way because of how, you know, what we see around us and mm -hmm. what we're taught. Yeah. Uh, what we see on media, um, especially because it seems like all over the world, um, you know, people are becoming more and more untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's a culture thing and how and how we're brought up and yeah. what we see. Yeah. And of course, she says she jumps ahead because she did. But that's I, I, I view it the same way. My conclusion, my conclusion is that uh, it's a combination of our environments. So kind of like what you were saying, how we're brought up and then our natural inclination for sin. That makes us so negative because I believe we do have a natural inclination towards sin. Um, based off the fall of Adam and Eve. Obviously, sin is not a measurable construct. So, you know, we can't tell when, where, and how a person first sins, but we do know that we're naturally hardwired to eventually do so, right? I haven't met one perfect person. Every, even though babies come out, you know, innocent and perfect looking and, you know, all cute and cuddly, they eventually sin, right? I haven't met a baby that didn't grow up and become a sinful person in some area. Do you, have, do you know somebody? Cause, no, okay. I don't. Just making sure. Jesus. <laughs> exactly, except for Jesus. <laughs> so, okay. So we know sin is not a measurable construct. Uh, we know that all people eventually sin. Also, we know that how we are brought up, right, the models and the scripts that we are taught at a young age influences how we think about and interact with certain things. And our disappointments and yep. the way people tell yep. us throughout yep. our life. Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, like racism, right? You, would you agree that racism is a negative way of looking at a group of people? Yes. Right. And so racism is, an, is a classic example of traditions that were passed down from generation to generation 
to influence one person's ability to view another person in a negative light, mm-hmm. right? And so that's an example of how we're influenced based off of what we learn and based off of our environment, right? right? And so if we were raised in the 1950s and 60s, we would have a different perception versus being raised right now in 2015. Actually, things are a little the same, a lot of the same, but you get the point. <laughs> so as I just mentioned, research has shown that we are naturally bent towards negativity. So much so that, and you guys have actually heard me talk about this, but so much so that it takes on average at least 13 positive words to offset the influence of one negative word. And that's a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, that is. You, you've heard that correctly. You, you actually heard that correctly. It takes 13 positives to balance out one negative. So I want you to think about the, a conversation that you've had with your spouse and think about like the She's 10... jumping ahead. The 10 words or so. (laughs) She's jumping ahead. Why are you jumping? You double dutching. Stay on course. All right, I'm here. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to get there. We're going to get there in a minute. And I want you to talk about what you were about to say because it's really key. But just not now. Okay. (laughs) But anyway, anyway, so here's something that you may not have thought about. Right? I want to give you something that, that you probably haven't heard about before. And it may blow your mind. Okay. And it has something to do with negativity and how it affects your literal body. Okay, so some research has actually demonstrated that negativity comes as a byproduct of the words that you tell yourself or the thoughts that you have. And that your cells literally change its structure once it receives a negatively contaminated message from another cell. So here's how it works. And you guys remember this from biology class, right? You know, you have cells with dendrites and then these little gaps between the dendrites or the cells. Cells have dendrites. They're like octopus arms and they stick out and they communicate or receive messages from another cell. And so scientists have actually demonstrated that if one cell gives off a negative, so let's say you have a a negative thought. They call it a, a toxic thought. So let's say you have a negative thought. They say that cell, one cell in your brain will fire that message because that's how your body communicates through cells, right? It'll it'll fire that message from that chemical message from one cell to the next. And if it's a negative or toxic thought, one cell will get that toxic thought. And what it'll do is as it receives it, it produces these little spikes. So the dendrites are these little arms like octopus legs sticking out of the cell right? Ready to receive information. But once it receives a negative message, it will like create these little spikes. Like imagine thorns. Each of these arms now have thorns sticking out of them. And every time a message is now communicated across that dendrite with those thorns on it, it produces a toxic chemical. So now it's communicating instead of a healthy chemical from one cell to the next, it's passing off contaminated toxic chemicals, right? And so now what it does is literally every time it's passed from one cell to the next, it contaminates that that new cell, right? And now that cell produces or affects the organs of your body and it affects your literal physical body, right? And it creates negativity inside of you, right? They say about 80% of the medical conditions are usually brought on by some type of negative thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Like stress, anxiety, depression, those produce hypertension, high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes, a whole host of things, right? And so just think about how the body and the mind is like immaculately connected. There's there's a strong connection between how you think and how you are physically. 
And every time you have a toxic thought, it produces toxic cells in your body that will begin to affect your health. So that's that's huge. It's something to consider. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so deep. it is. And there's a book, Manny. What what, what book Called, do you like? Uh, Deadly Emotions. Yeah. And if you don't know I the author, ha- that's yeah, fine. But yeah, we'll have to. Yeah. Link it up in Amazon. Deadly Emotions is a book that you really want to have access to. Deadly we'll put Emotions. put it in the comments in yeah. the description for the it's podcast. It's a really good book, really good read. And it just talks about the connection between the emotions that you have and the health of your body. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything from cancer to lupus to heart attacks. I mean, all that stuff, research shows, is extremely connected to how you think. Right? So, and that's huge. So, I just want you to keep that in mind. So, what does this mean for your marriage? And Mandy was about to go into that. You know, what does this mean for your marriage? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're going to share with you some reasons and some how, how this actually influences your marriage. Um, so think about this. Usually when you meet your, your spouse for the very first time, obviously they're not your spouse, but when you meet them for the very first time and early on in the dating process, negativity is usually a non-factor, right? When we first met, everything was hunky-dory, right. pristine, mm. spotless, cloud nine. Think, think you, we think each other is perfect. And... Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Perfection. And just think about that. When you first meet a person, you know, negativity is a non-factor. Usually, you're so enamored by that person that you overlook the very things in them that eventually become divisive. So it's like, you know, you, yeah, they, their breaths may smell a little bit, but because y'all are so enamored and in love, and you overlook that. Or they may smack their food or something like that, yeah. but you just overlook you it. You may not even notice you it. You may not have ever heard it in their life. Yes, yes. That's amazing how that works. You know, I used to, well, I'm not even going to tell, I'm not even going to, no, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, <laughs> just know that that happens. Be honest about it, y'all. Stop playing. Be honest. Right? But think about it. Usually over time, though, those things that mayor, that mayor, what is a mayor? It's a mayor, <laughs> like over the city? <laughs> no, over time, the mask, that's what I meant to say. The mask that you're wearing when you first meet your partner, over time, it starts to wear away, mm-hmm. right? And guess what happens after that mask starts to wear away? The negativity starts to surface, right? right? And so think about it. The mask is gone. All of a sudden, the negative issues come to surface. And your negativity doesn't just have to be things that you say, Right. Or things that you do, like smacking your food. It could be assumptions that you make. Right. And it's more than likely the thoughts that you have, because after all, negativity is a mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's like gas in a tank. Right. The more you the more of it that you have, the more negativity infused energy you will give off. Did you get that? The, the more negativity you have in your mind, the more negativity infused energy you'll give off. Right. right. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. You become what you think about. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right. That's Bible. Right. And so, so just think about that. If you've ever wondered why people are so so negative, it was because that's that's what they have in their system. Mm-hmm. Right. They they are a byproduct. Their actions are a byproduct of what they're thinking. And so, if they're negative, if they're saying negative things, it's because they have negative thoughts. Right. I mean, you would be amazed. At the type of negativity. I mean, we even are victims of negativity. You know, I of mean, course, yeah. like when, like somebody could look at one of the videos that we put on a website. For instance, like a, a recent post on our Facebook page about my book. It's a video, and somebody could listen to the words and immediately jump to a negative conclusion, mm-hmm. where somebody else could listen to those words and immediately be touched and impacted in a positive way. Right. It's amazing, and we always get it. No matter what we do, we always get two people 
one on both sides, one on one side of the street. Somebody that's negative, somebody that's positive. Right. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. But in, in any case, regarding marriages, in order to add growth to your marriage, you will have to get really good at silencing out the negativity. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and wrap up this show by sharing with you eight strategic ways that you can silence out negativity in your marriage. Mm-hmm. You ready for that, Mandy? Let's go. All right. So eight specific strategic ways that you can silence out negativity. So here's the first thing. And again, remember, negativity is to your marriage like kryptonite is to Superman. It's a killer. It's a killer. It really is. So here's the first strategic way to silence out the negativity. Crown instead of criticize. And Mandy actually came up with this concept. I love it. Mm -hmm. Crown instead of criticize. Mandy, tell me a little bit about what you meant by that. So basically what I meant about crown instead of criticize it means to edify each other or affirm each other mm. instead of criticizing or downing each other for what we're not doing or who we, or who we are not. Um, mm. And so, you know, um, a lot of times I think that we get so used to the routine of being married and complaining to where we, we criticize more than we do anything else. We complain yeah. more than we do anything else. Yeah. So... How about just change your perspective and look at each other as being, you know, king and queen of your home? Mm, you know, that's deep. how would you speak to your queen? How would you speak to your king? Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to put on. Yes, you honor. No, something like that. You want me to say that? You want me to approach um, you like that now? No, you don't have to do it like that. But, you know, just affirming each other and, and looking for the best. No, that's huge because I was a victim of that. No. You were a victim of that for me. Is that Did I say that right? I used to do that. I was really bad at that. When I first met Mandy, I used to crown her like madness. Every single day, I would give her a compliment and say something positive and edifying and uplifting. But the moment we got married, boy, <laughs> that ended. And I used to criticize. I used to criticize the mess out of her. And as a result, Mandy became very insecure and really didn't know her place as a wife. But a lot of it was because I stopped crowning my wife. I literally took the crown off of her head and started expecting certain things out of her. But we'll get to the expectation piece in mm-hmm. a minute. Right. So crown instead of criticize. Number two is this. Stop looking at conflict as something that's bad. Yes. Tell us about that, Blair. Um, I think I'll give a personal example. I think that for me, I always looked at a disagreement as being a negative. Um, and so... You know, again, I had to change my perspective. And Mm -hmm. instead of seeing conflict as me, you know, me against David, I had to start thinking of us as teammates and looking at times where we bumped heads as a time to learn more about each other, Mm -hmm. learn more about my strengths, his weaknesses and vice versa so that we can work together to build each other up in those areas. So if you approach conflict from that perspective, then you won't avoid it. And mm-hmm. all issues can be exposed and dealt with, and you can grow past um, those issues and become stronger as a couple. That is so deep. I, so back in 2006, I started writing a book that I never finished, and it was on conflict and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, I talk about how conflict is, like you just said, not a negative thing to the relationship. It's right. actually a very healthy thing because mm-hmm. conflict only means uh, conflict only means that there's a difference between two people's point of view. Right. That's it. And so when there's a difference, there's a conflict Mm -hmm. or kind of a clashing of views. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make it a negative thing. What makes it a negative thing is how we view it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, as you said, stop looking at conflict as something that's bad. 
and actually look at it as a healthy, like grow, growthful, encouraging, beneficial thing for the relationship. And if I could just give one more growthful. example, it's growthful even. The I don't know if I growthful is. Yeah, I was trying to get to beneficial, but growthful came out first. It we sounded it okay. Right. Okay, good. Just one more <laughs> example on that because it's really been been eaten to me. Um, it's. I mean, mo- many of you know our story. You know how David had sat me down and told me he was no longer in love with me. And I remember a lot of people commenting on our story on our page and saying, I wish my husband would say that or I wish my wife would say that. Well, you know what? When we put ourselves in a position where we tell our spouses what we, you know, threaten them with telling us the truth and being able to express themselves, then those negative things will never be exposed um, mm-hmm. in a healthy manner. Instead, they'll just explode to the surface and yeah. then you wonder what happened. Exactly. And so, again, that even though that's hurtful and that's a form of conflict that we do not want to experience, open the door to your spouse to, to have total access to your heart, mm-hmm. the good, bad, and ugly. So even if they do feel that way, Let's deal with it. Yeah. And here's a great way to do it. Schedule times to have healthy conflict, right? Schedule weekly meetings or biweekly meetings Mm -hmm. and take notes during the week and say, this week, this Friday, Mandy, is your chance to talk about, we used to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And and at that point, that marriage was going relatively well, but Mm -hmm. we used to do this. We would schedule times to talk about what was plaguing us, right? So one week would be your week Mm -hmm. to have a conversation. My obligation during that meeting was just to listen. And to pray. And to pray. Mm-hmm. But you could bring whatever issue you had, whatever conflict you had with right. me or with the marriage, right. and we would discuss it. Exactly. The next week was my turn. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can even schedule out and plan out healthy conflict meetings. Exactly. Right? Let's go to number three. So number one is crown instead of criticize. Number two is stop looking at conflict as bad. Number three, stop assuming. I didn't cuss. I said, I didn't cuss. I said, stop (laughs) assuming. (laughs) Stop assuming, y'all. Stop. Because you know that saying that assuming makes an ASS out of me and you. But behind. Well, a jackass. How about that? Does that say for? (laughs) You just wanted to say it. Stop assuming, y'all. Tell us a little bit about that, Blair. Okay, so... Assuming, assuming is, is, um, you determining that you know your spouse so well that, that before they even do something wrong or before they even do something that you know why they did it. That you know why they did it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, but the, you, okay, I didn't ask you to define it. (laughs) I said, tell us, like you told us with the rest, tell us how this is, why this is important. Um, this is, (laughs) this is important because, I mean, again, this is a form of negativity because you do, you do not give your spouse room to grow. Mm. You do not give your spouse room to, you know, gain your trust back in an area that maybe they lost it in. That's good. You know, so you kind of stunt the growth of your relationship and your spouse. Yeah. Um, and so if you are struggling with trusting your spouse in a particular area, start by praying for your spouse, praying for your marriage and trusting God first, trusting God in the process, mm. but then also giving your spouse an opportunity to become more trustworthy. That's that's key, right? Letting them change, letting them grow. And that's another bad habit I didn't have, or I did have, is that I I kind of pigeonheeled Mandy, and I didn't give her room to grow and change. And I would assume, based off of her previous behaviors, that her future behaviors would be the exact same, right? And when you do that, you do pigeonhole someone. Um, so that's dangerous. So let's move on to number four, right? Number four is... Trade my expectations for our family culture. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Preach on that, baby. Preach. Okay, so 
all of us, and again, all of us do this. Um, we all come into the marriage and relationship with our own set of expectations. Those expectations come from, you know, the way we grew up as mm-hmm. far as, okay, did we have a two-parent household? Uh, did we come from a single-parent household? Um, did, were we raised by a relative? Mm-hmm. You know, was there any abuse that we witnessed or neglect that, that mm-hmm. we experienced? You know, so just think about all the things a person can go through in their life. And, you're, and you have two people, a man and a woman, who are bringing that into a marriage. Um, and so, and, and, um, based off of what you've experienced, those are, those formed into expectations that you bring into the marriage for each other. But the dangerous part is you have two different people who grew up in two different houses and came from two different backgrounds. Mm. And so a lot of times you end up bumping heads because we come into the relationship expecting the other person to think just like we do. Mm-hmm. And meet those needs that... They didn't even create. Exactly. And yeah. so we think what what's common sense to us is common sense to them. Like, mm. okay, it's my birthday. So we make a huge deal about birthdays. How can you not know that? Mm. Well, they may have come from a family where they, they didn't, didn't celebrate really, birthdays yeah. at all. It was a happy birthday. You know, I love you. You know, here's well, a cake good. and that's it. That's so you good. know, so we have to think about those things and not assume. Um, I know I've heard, I've heard some of my friends say before, you know, I, you know, my husband better take out the garbage. If he don't take out the garbage, then he's not a man. Mm. Well, what if he didn't have a, a father that grew up in the household and he saw mom do that all mm-hmm. the time? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why it's important for you to establish your own family culture. You come together, put your expectations on the table, and you all decide between the two of you. Oh, that's good. What is our house, what is our family culture going to be? Yep. That and so that good. may mean that the husband cooks. That may be, mean that the wife, you know, takes out the garbage and, and does the yard. You know, you have to dis- establish your expectations and your family culture together. Yeah. Yeah. And we found that it's the unmet expectations. Like that's the number one thing that disrupts healthy marriages mm-hmm. is unmet expectations. And even especially in the sex area. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Because especially as women, men too, probably we sit and watch all of these shows where these the men, and, you know, yeah, these movies and stuff. And they're so romanticized to where when we get in a relationship, we think that our spouse should fulfill all of those needs and desires, but you have no idea where they came from. Mm-hmm. Maybe affection and intimacy was never something they were introduced to. Yep. Yep. But then you make them feel less than a man or less than a woman if they can't perform like the fantasies you see on TV. That's deep. That's deep. And I would like to play in that puddle, but we got other. More. We got four more to go over. I can go with yeah, that. Yeah, she can go with that. You saw that energy. That, that energy came, boy. Okay, so here's number five. So number one is this. Let's go through the first four again. Crown instead of criticize. Mm -hmm. Stop looking at conflict as something that's bad. Mm -hmm. Stop assuming. Number four is trade my expectations. (laughs) Trade my expectations for our family culture. And number five is this. Stop expecting each other to fail. Mm -hmm. That's good. Tell us about that, baby. Okay. So, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about... Trusting and allowing our spouse to become trustworthy. Mm. Okay. So it's kind of like a cousin to the, to the assuming topic, but yeah, it's a cousin to the assuming topic. So tell us how they're related. Well, they're related because, um, if you are expecting your spouse to fail all the time, again, you're feeding into that negative mindset, you know? So if you're expecting them to fail, you're not going to do the things, you know, that you should do as a spouse to encourage them. I.e., you won't become, build them up. You won't position yourself as a help me. Right, right. You won't even, yeah. I mean, your prayers are going to look more like, you know, 
Lord, you know, help me be able to deal with them because mm. they can never do anything right. Instead of, Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you, Lord, that they have great potential. I thank you, Lord, that you have given them a purpose and a she destiny. Um, I will go in, so I'm going to stop there. But I'm saying you mm-hmm. see the difference in those prayers. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we need we have to stop, you know, expecting our spouse to fail because they have failed in the past. Yeah. We hope need for to the have, best out of them. Have, have hope in them. Yeah. Hope for the best. That's actually one of the attributes of love, right? Yes. Love hopes hopes for the best. Yeah. Right? So that's... Believes that's, the best. Believes the best. Yeah. So that's good. Good. That's another good one. So let's move on to number six. What goes in must come out. Right. Talk and about that. And David uh, touched on this earlier, you know, so if you are always exposed to negativity Mm. um, and you're not reading your Bible, you're not, you know, um, surrounding yourself, you know, with people who are positive. If you're watching TV shows, you know, that are Mm. constantly people are fighting, arguing and and cheating and and doing all these different things. And that's what you're going to girls club and stuff like that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Yeah, (laughs) I mean, and we're so quick to say this stuff is entertainment, but I guarantee you. And as a matter of fact, I challenge you that over the next 30 days, just cut out Mm. that. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, we got some money in for them. We got to call to action. Well, that's a little... Uh, okay, go ahead. Say anything. Go ahead. I, say I, it. I was just saying, like, with the TV shows, you okay. know, um, just just switch it out. Switch it out for things that so have none days, of that. switch out those negative drama-induced... TV, yeah. Raunchy yeah. stuff, okay. And I guarantee you that spiritually, you're going to feel at peace, and you're just going to feel different and about And your, your mind will be less yourself. cluttered. Yes. Your mind will be quieter, because yes. you won't have all that chatter going on. Mm-hmm. And you won't fight, because you become what you see. Right. And you emulate what you look at. And you won't be so emotional. Emotions and feelings led. Mm, that's driven. good. That's really good. I like that. So let's go over the, the first six again. Crown instead of criticize. Stop looking at conflict as something that's bad. Stop assuming. Trade my expectations for our family culture. Stop expecting each other to fail. And what goes in must come out. Number seven is this. You are the sum of your parts. All right. I so, like that one. So this is what I meant by that. Uh, the sum of your parts. So who are you surrounding yourself with? Mm. Okay, so I want you to think about the, let's just say. Five. Because Jim Rohn said you are the average of the five people. Okay, I was going to give you three, but David said five. So who are the five closest married couples Mm. around you? Are there any married couples around Uh you? That's a good one. That's in your inner circle. Okay, so um, my question, my next question is not only who are they, but what are they interested in? What do they talk about? Mm. How do they talk about each other? Mm. How do they talk to each other? Mm. Okay, (laughs) think about those things. What is the foundation of their marriage? Is it God? Or is it expectations, sex? What is it? Do they complain about each other all the time, tear each other down or build each other up? Those are good questions. So think about that. Yeah. And it's so and and that's negativity, because, okay, if if you are surrounded by a lot of, you know, married couples who are more negative than positive, you know, they're not growing themselves and not, you know, building each other up, then that is what you will be. That's mm-hmm. what you will become. Birds of a feather. Flock together. Yes, sir. So that's a good one. That's huge. And I wish I could add something to it, but man, do you with preaching. Let's go to number eight. Take conditions off of your love. Talk mm-hmm. to me about that one, Blair. Well, this is another one <laughs> that I could go in about. One thing that I talk about, you know, um, and motivated to love my book is about the concept of unconditional love. I have a lot of people that fight me with that and kind of find a a way out of that. 
But unconditional love, agape Isn't love. Isn't that kind of strange that it people is. will fight their way out of trying to love their spouse unconditionally? Yes. Wow, yeah, we have we have so many people that say that's impossible, but understand, we're not talking about in your human strength. Mm-hmm. We're talking about through the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to, you know, the concept of, um, you know, making sure that whatever is, is coming in, you know, knowing that whatever you're putting in is coming out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And remember, you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have a, con- a, a healthy concept of love mm-hmm. uh, from God, the source. If you have not received his love for you and you don't understand his love for you, then you can't give unconditional love. If you, you know, have never taken time to study 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, you know, the attributes of love as defined by the Bible. And that's not written on your heart. You're not going to be able to love your spouse. Mm -hmm. If you don't love yourself and you don't know who you are and you are dealing with, you know, low self-esteem and depression and all these things. Mm -hmm. Then you again, you cannot love your spouse unconditionally. Yeah, and you don't know? expect them to love you unconditionally if they struggle with that very same thing. Yes, exactly. Uh, we've worked with so many people that they expect their spouse to demonstrate like unconditional love. Yeah, but, like like the husband should be the you know he should be the head of the house. You shouldn't be having to yeah, do this or. But they didn't get it from their parents. Exactly. They didn't get that script. Exactly. So why expect them? You got to be honest with your expectations. Why expect them to love you a certain way that they don't even know how to do? And I think that's because when we quote unquote fall in lust, I mean love. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> when you know when we fall in love, uh, so you know, so to speak. We think that, okay, this person is going to love me, like, like, like really love me the way I need to be loved. But again, remember that is, that is not love. That's infatuation. Mm-hmm. And that wears off. Mm-hmm. Love is a choice that mm-hmm. we have to make every day. Yeah. We have to work at it consistently, just yeah. like we work at anything else. It's a muscle. Just like we research and do everything that we need to do to be a parent or to, you know, get serve. that job you just got. Yes, uh-huh. You got to do the same thing with love. You got to do the same thing. And that's why we provide these these podcasts, the resources on our sites, the books, is because we want to give you guys honest, tangible, relatable, factual stuff that works. Right, resources right. for your marriage. There's mm-hmm. no fluff, no flakiness, right. right? Raw, edited, unedited, uncut. I mean, we want to give you the real deal, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we do what we do. But I love this. So let me review those eight really good, really fast and then we're going to wrap up. So the eight strategic ways that you can silence out the negativity in your marriage. Number one, crown instead of criticize. Number two, stop looking at conflict as something that's bad. Number three, stop assuming. I, I keep saying that wrong or something. Don't no, you, you keep passing. <laughs> Number four, trade my expectations for our family culture. Number five, stop expecting each other to fail. Number six, what goes in must come out. Trash in, trash out. Mm-hmm. Number seven, you are the sum of your parts. Mm-hmm. And number eight, take the conditions off of your love. I love that. Man, we gotta. We should put this into a blog post or something. This yeah, is some good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I think so. Good stuff. So, okay. So, knowing and incorporating these eight strategies into your marriage is highly important to securing a future that is full of growth and fulfillment. Ignoring these will lead to a marriage full of frustrations. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Negativity. Yes. Because negativity breeds more negativity. Right. And so if you aren't incorporating these eight strategies, you will have some negativity. And if you have children, remember, you'll, you'll be passing it down Ooh, to your generation. That's scary. And all of and a then, sudden, we get a generation who don't value marriage mm-hmm. or who say, well, marriage is between two people that 
don't matter the sex or... Or they repeat the cycle. Okay, I was going to get political. I Thank you for stopping me. <laughs> but I'm just saying, that's what hap- that's, that's how society changes, right? We don't practice these things in our marriage, and then we go and contaminate the whole world with mm-hmm. it because we bring up kids that don't know it, don't mm-hmm. do it, don't show it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they have kids that do the same thing, and it gets worse and worse. Right, and we quote the Word, we quote the Bible, and we say we believe, and we have We go have to faith. church on Sunday and, and the and, Bible study. And we do all of these things, but at the same time, we're, we are not being, being, I guess you could say logical in our thinking. Think about where people come from. Think about people's surroundings. Just because it says it in the Bible and somebody says they're a Christian doesn't mean that they understand that concept mm. or they ever learned or mm. somebody taught them mm. how to demonstrate that concept. Yeah, yeah. Take the proper time to digest this information and then take some more time to practice this into your marriage or in your marriage, okay? And so let's do this. Let's end today with a challenge because we like to wrap our shows up now with call to actions, things that you can do while you're not listening to us. Mm -hmm. So let's end with a challenge. We challenge all of you who are listening under the sound of our voices to take a five-day fast from negativity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Five day fast from negativity. That means that you are to implement these eight strategies in place of your normal negative habits. Now, five day fast from negativity means in general, but it also means inside of your relationship. Because mm-hmm. that's where it also matters is being negative inside of your relationship with your spouse and with yourself. Mm-hmm. Five day fast from negativity. Now, here's how we want to follow up with you guys. You got something you want to say real fast? Okay, here's how we follow up. So, Let's let's start a movement with this, okay? Let's really make this a big deal. So I want you to go to this link, www.mendourmarriage.com slash episode 45. So mendourmarriage.com slash episode 45. And I want you to type in the comment section of this page. Type in the two words, I'm in. So just type in, I'm in, okay? And I want you to share this. Comment, share this on Facebook. Let other people know. Share with the marriages that you remember. Who are you associated with, right? And if you aren't associated with people, who or what are the marriages? Who are they associated with? Are you part of a positive influence in other people's lives, mm-hmm. right? Share this with those that need it. Mm-hmm. Let people know. Share the message. Spread the message. We're trying to literally break the back of divorce, right? What's what's the words? You usually say the words. Snap, crackle, pop. Snap, crackle, pop. Because we really want to break the back. So share this episode on Facebook as well as you know. We want to get many people to know about this this movement of taking the five-day fast from negativity, right? And get the word out. Do what you got to do. Do your part, right? And also, lastly, we appreciate everybody who have supported us over the last year. Um, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes to this podcast. That way, whenever we launch a new one, you'll automatically get it to your phone. Right. Uh, also, like it, share it, comment on Facebook, social media. Um, our page is growing. We're up to what over eighty-one thousand now. Yes. Um, so continue to to, to share this message. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for the support, guys. We really appreciate you guys helping us. Um, and in return, we want to continue to help you guys. Um, so send in messages, leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't forget, you know, go check out Mandy's book, Motivated to Love, if you haven't, or my book. I said I do, but now I don't. Um, you can either go to motivated to love.com or unmotivated to love.com, the number two, 
And I guess what we're done, right? I think that's it. All right, y'all, we out. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh yes, yes. Happy Thanksgiving because this episode will go the day go out the day before Thanksgiving. Yes. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. We love you guys. Love y'all. But we out. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.